Hey, this is Pastor Nate Cook, and you're listening to Pontificating Pastors, a podcast where we lock two pastors in a room and just let them talk about anything and everything. My friend Michael Pig is a church planner in San Marcos, Texas, and I'm a traditional church pastor here in Midwest City, Oklahoma. Special shout out to Russell Martz for the awesome intro music. You can find Russell on SoundCloud at Sprouts Music, S-P-R-O-U-T-Z. And now, we hope you'll enjoy this episode of Pontificating Pastors. Hey, Michael, how are you doing this week? I'm doing well, Nate. How are you? I am doing really, really well. I am taking a Sunday off, so I feel like I'm already hitting the leisure mode going away for Memorial Day. So it's a a good day, wrapping up some things today that I need to get done before I leave, and then going to hit the pool this afternoon and then mow the lawn tomorrow and head to Texas. Oh, yeah. Sounds good. Sounds good. I, uh, I, I didn't preach this last Sunday, so I guess I took a week off too. There you go. I, I think, yeah. Well, along those lines, I don't know if not preaching is taking a full week off. Uh, okay. All right. I was, I was at a party for one of our graduates, and I met one of our members' boss. And this man is a businessman. He's owned a business for a long time, and and he just comes up to me. I mean. And a lot of times you get these comments like kind of in jest or or they're kind of like the old joke, like, you know, you only work one day a week. But this guy was dead serious in the fact that when I told him what I did, when they told him this is our pastor, he came over and he was talking to me and he said, so that's not really a full time gig thing, is it? And he was not being honorary. He was not being, you know, that uh, funny joke kind of thing. It was it was like. He could not literally fathom in his mind that what I do could be a full-time position. Like, how would I work for a full week? Can you yeah. believe that? <laughs> Have you had those conversations? Yeah. Ma- Maggie came home from school yesterday and she said, Dad, you know, I thought about you today while I was at school, while I was working hard. And I thought, you know, I want to be a pastor. That way I don't have to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> It was just, she was teasing me, um, you know. Yeah, that's, but, that's but, nice. She, but then she said, but then two of my classmates, I had to kind of mediate a dispute between them. And I remembered, oh yeah, I don't want to do this. Um, so <laughs> I guess, you know, I, people ask me all the time. Well, not not all the time so much anymore, but they've asked me across the years in that, like you said, in that humorous way. So what are you up to? You know, kind of with a wink and a, and a smile, kind of a tongue-in-cheek comment. Uh, but a, a lady asked me just about two weeks ago, she said, so how do you fill your week? Like, what do you do? Like, you have your Sunday morning sermon, and then what? Uh, and she yeah. wasn't being hateful. She was being sincere. She's like, how do you fill your week? And I, I said, uh, you know, I started describing it. Uh, and she said, well, that sounds like a lot of networking. Oh, I hate networking, and, I, <laughs> and you would hate doing what I do because that's pretty much what you do: is you connect with people and connect those people 
to each other. Yeah, and I think I think what what I really saw in this man's question, and I think what we kind of get down to is that we live in a world that is fueled by productivity and, and results oh, yeah. and being able to quantify results and being able to say at the end of the day, this is, this is what I've produced. And so many of the things that, that we do on a daily basis, um, when people say, what do you do all week? You know, sometimes I really stumble around because no <laughs> week is ever the same. Um, no. Because the things that we do are not really easily quantified. I mean, how do you how do you put into numbers someone who comes to church discouraged, hears the word of the Lord preached, and goes home encouraged? Like, there's no product that's being put out there. Yeah. There's there's no um, you know you can't really measure that. Uh, we try to do it even in our church. You know, we we get these questions like. How many people were, were sanctified under your ministry? How many people are saved under your ministry? And sure. a lot of us pastors just laugh at them because we're like saying, okay, so now we have become God and we know what's going on in the hearts of men and women. Sure. In our we can measure that? Yeah. So, I, I have a hard enough time just measuring how that's going on in my own heart and life. Right. Uh, and so it, it's telling you how everybody else is doing. Yeah. And so it's like the things that we invest in, uh, you know, what what does it look like? How do you quantify sitting in a hospital with someone whose spouse is back in another room getting cut open and, and just being yeah. the presence in the room to love someone, yeah. uh, to hold their hand, you know, to encourage them? Um, those kinds of things that we do, um, you can't really just quantify and, and so it, it is difficult because we, we work with really flexible schedules. So so if you've ever wondered, um, what does your pastor do all week? I'm going to let Michael start, but how, how would you say, just give, you know, maybe maybe some typical examples of a week and I'll, I'll, I'll share some of mine. I'll be a little different because you're planning a church and I'm in a little more established building at least. Uh, so. Sure. Sure. I think... Um... The conversation for me begins with kind of the, you know, we've been talking about quantifiable. So the, the question is, what is your metric? What is your metric for? What's this uh, set of metrics are you using to evaluate uh, your productivity? Um, and uh, for me, uh, there's a story that, that kind of gives me some guidance on this. I, uh, I took a trip to Brazil uh, a few years back and met some folks uh, who, were, who were planting a church in a village along the Amazon, and um, and as that kind of rolled out, I had a I met a friend there, and we spent uh, time FaceTiming each other. Uh, and we FaceTimed on Tuesdays. As a matter of fact, he he um, was uh, a young man, and he was looking for a wife. And he said, "I want you to pray with me that God would help me find a wife who would partner with me in ministry." It was, uh, you know, kind of a crazy prayer, but every Tuesday we'd call and we'd pray it. And one, pray, one day he called me and said, I found her. I found her. And, uh, and he married her. Praise uh, we, the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we, uh, uh, she's a, a, a beautiful girl. Uh, just a beautiful spirit. We love her. Um, but, uh, in that context of that conversation, you know, I was dealing with what is the metric that we're using? And he's telling me it's on a new church plant in a village on the Amazon. 
And so he tells me one day, he says, hey, I just wanted to uh, share with you. And he sent me some pictures of the church building. And I had been there for the initial kind of uh, lean-to church building that they had set up. It was basically two walls with a, a half of a roof and a and a, a light bulb hanging from a piece of Romex wire. Uh, I've been it, to some of those types <laughs> of churches, and and they're beautiful once you uh-huh. meet the people. It's right. It's amazing. And, and I went fishing with that pastor in the middle of the night in a canoe in the Amazon because he was a sustenance fisherman. Um, that's how his family ate. And so he Did you see all... any giant snakes? Oh, we saw all kinds of crazy stuff, but um, I won't go into all that story right now. It'll take too long, but it was an exciting time. But he, uh, uh, he said, you know, he spent all day doing evangelism and reaching out to his congregation and going by and checking on people. And so he was having to fish at night that night because of our visit, because of the strain it put on his schedule. So he fished at night and I got to go with him. Uh, but his metric uh, was to, not to tell me how many people were in the congregation, but to tell me how much an effect the the existence of that church and that congregation had on the neighborhood that it was in. And so he began to tell me, because the church is located here, and we've actually started, we've opened a school and we're now educating children, the crime rate has gone down and they have turned the dirt road intersection into an asphalt intersection in this uh, village because of the higher amount of traffic that's come through. And the police are glad the church is there because it was a it was a higher crime situation and they have kind of forced some of the criminal activity to cease because of the church's presence in that area. Wow, families, that's that's really cool. So families had moved in and it was it, it was that was their metric. That was how they were measuring uh, whether or not the church was being effective. And so um, I've kind of tried to use that as a, a guide for how I go about ministry in my week because I, I'm a productive uh, person. I, I, I hope that I'm productive, but I get kind of down on myself if I'm not productive. Sometimes I actually have to go do something like manual labor that has a beginning point and an end point and there's a clear product so that I feel like I accomplished something because often days in ministry, I don't feel like I've accomplished anything at all. I'm not sure what I did. Shelly will come home from work and say, hey, Michael, what'd you do today? And I'll say, I'm not sure what I, what I did today. <laughs> um, yeah, and... You know, so to answer your question, I mean, it's a lot of networking. You know, I, I, I'm on several boards. Uh, I'm on the student health advisory committee for the uh, school district that we're a part of. Um, I, I'm on the board of a nonprofit called School Fuel, and we send home food on the weekends for kids who have, um, you know, deficiencies in their nutrition. And um, we, you know, I, I, I joined the Lions Club so I can serve. And so I go serve with them. And uh, there's just, you know, uh, different networking opportunities in the community that I'm a part of. I, some days I just go sit in a, um, in a coffee shop down here, down the road from my house and, and visit with the, the owners, David and Danita and, uh, and the, pe- the patrons who come in and build relationships there. Uh, sometimes I just go down and, uh, and volunteer hours with the school that our congregation meets in because we're a new church plant. So we're meeting in a, a school auditorium, uh, actually a, a school gymnasium. Uh, it has a stage, so we call it an auto- auditorium, but it's really just a, a gym. Um, but I go down there and I volunteer hours down there doing uh, with the mentor program, or uh, I even help some of the 
parent-teacher organization uh, build a, a cardboard DeLorean uh, for a theme that they're working on uh, about Back to the Future. And so uh, that was... That's that was nice. Fun. That's real nice. <laughs> I'm not sure how spiritual it was. Or it, yeah. It, it, meant it, it created space for good conversations and networking and uh, you know, I, I actually uh, have started working with the San Marcos Police Department. I go down and do chaplaincy with them and uh, just walk through and, and pray for people. I spend a lot of time in the communications room the last time I was there, uh, just praying over those dispatchers because they, they get nothing but bad news. And so I just right. like yeah. go in there and just pray for them and lift them up. And I actually got an email. By the time I got home, I got an email from one of the dispatchers saying, Hey, uh, Pastor Michael, we appreciate you coming by today. Nobody ever just stops by to say hello to us. And it was very encouraging. So thanks. Please come again. So, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure what I do on a day-to-day basis in terms of routine. Sometimes I long for a routine and would like to have an office. But then there are other days where I know that routine just doesn't work in ministry because ministry generally happens in the interruptions. Yeah, so... Yeah, I think for me, um, I have a basic routine that I I try to adhere to. Um, I I also we try to connect with community organization. We uh, we're especially connected with a Middale Youth and Family, and they help uh, young people in our uh, in our community who are a lot of times uh, in rough situations living wise. They do counseling, free counseling. They run a shelter that we've been really. Uh, invested in for years and years even before I came here and uh, then we always help out at school time instead of doing like a million backpacks and just handing them out we get three or four students and we buy their entire list and we buy them clothes and uh, and then we do the same at Christmas we focus on a smaller group of people but um, my routine is generally like Monday I want to get a lot of busy work done emails, things like that. I want to get into my passage for the next Sunday. So I'm at least mulling it over throughout the week. Tuesday tends to be the day that I end up meeting with more people uh, for lunch or, you know, just any kind of meetings I have, whether that be zone or district or uh, people in the community. That's when our Middell group meets. Uh, Wednesday, you know, I always meet with my interns, which I have the, the privilege of working with at SNU and and then Thursdays kind of get ready for the weekend and make sure the, the sermon is is finished up. But I think one of the things that people, you know, miss and in, in what do you do all the time is if you can think of being a CEO and being a uh, um, also the, an administrative person, like in my church, I do all the administrative like bulletin, all that kind of stuff, too. Um, you can think of being a, um, you know, a a person who cares, a social, not really a social worker, but a person who counsels people, um, a person who's there for people. And so the weeks just, just depends. Like the other day, about two weeks ago, I started at six 30, uh, writing a message for a funeral. And I got home that next morning at 1am after spending an entire all that time with either writing that message or being with people from my congregation. Uh, and, and those kind of days, you know, they're here. And then there are days, you know, where the workload's a little lighter and I go spend some time with my kids in the afternoon or something. 
Uh, it's kind of an ebb and flow, and and it's it's sure. definitely there are times where you're under the gun. And then the other thing I think people don't realize a lot of times about pastoral work is it's like any job where you have pretty much a 24-7 on-call. <laughs> um, you know, you've got that cell phone, sure. and people will call you uh, sometimes with some of the worst news they'll ever receive. Oh, and and then you're you jump into action. And so um, th- there are definitely there are days where where I have a very flexible schedule. And so it's been a benefit. You know, I get to go to my son's basketball games and all those kind of things when some people's work schedules don't uh, handle those things as well. But then there's also days where it's three in the morning and I'm up or it's, you know, five <laughs> something and I'm going to a surgery or you know, it's just, there. it's an ebb and flow to it, but there definitely is full-time work. <laughs> there is plenty to do, um, you know, especially if you have a wedding or a funeral in a week um you know yeah and people think that's just oh the the time it takes to do the funeral (laughs) right right there there's no prep time or you know you didn't have to go sit with the family or being with the family for for days really i mean times throughout the the days from the time it happens until the funeral you want to be there yeah oftentimes you've been with that family because of the illness that took the life of their loved one Right. Yeah. The surgeries or the, you know, you've spent time in the hospital leading up to that. And so uh, there's a lot going on there that I think people mainly, you know, don't think of. It's kind of one of those out of sight, out of mind things. Um, Nobody at the at the wedding is thinking about the the six premarital counseling sessions that you had with a couple. Yeah. Yeah. Their baggage before they Okay. And people always ask me what I charge and, for embark on this together and kind of give them a heads up on some of the things that they face, you know. So I think yeah. people don't think about that. <laughs> yeah, they yeah, people don't see that. And so of course they wouldn't think about all the counseling and people ask you what you charge for a wedding and I'm like, you know, I don't really have a set fee. I just want to be a part of people's lives and Ooh. you may have a set fee, but but when, you know, if you were to think about paying someone for 6 hours of counseling plus all this work, um you know, pastors don't do this stuff for money. We 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 love being with people, and uh, you know, I don't even ask the person they're going to pay me. A lot of times, if somebody I'm really close to now, if somebody just calls me up and says, "Hey, will you do our wedding?" and I don't know them, then yeah, I'm going to give them a price to, or some kind of fee. But but um, you know, and if they couldn't afford it, I'd probably still just do it. You know, one oh, thing I I yeah. oh go I ahead. Most churches most churches expect that their pastor is going to be doing weddings both for the congregation and for the community. Um, and so part of the salary that a church would provide would, you know, uh, encompass ministry to the community and weddings, funerals, uh, hospital visits, those kind of things are, are, are part of the reason that we don't just get, I don't think that the salary just means that you do the administrative part of the church and, um, and preach on Sundays. That's, it's kind of a a more, uh, you know, robust understanding of what ministry is. Right. And in with that, I, I want to get into salaries in a second. I, I will say this, okay? Um, there are people who have taken advantage of the pastoral system because there is a lot of flexibility. 
Oh, sure. And uh, there are people who don't prepare well for sermons. There are people who download other people's sermons. Uh, I have never been able to do that. Like I, I when when we talk about writing sermons, uh, you know, if you've ever been in college and you had a thesis paper to write, you know, where you had to do all this research and stuff, it's like doing a smaller scale of that uh, every week. And, and it's like giving birth. I mean, I've heard it described as giving birth. So you are wrestling with this thing. You're living with it. Even when I lay down in, in my recliner at night, sometimes the things, you know, that will go through your head are going to end up in your message. And so it's something that you just, it's this burden, but it's a good burden. It's, it's yeah. this thing that just stays with you. And, and the other thing I would say is there is a heaviness to preaching or to being a pastor that I don't think people understand because you not sure. only carry your own struggles, your own stresses, your own sorrows, but you also, as as you love people, you know, we grieve when others are grieving. We celebrate with others when they celebrate. And so there are times uh, right. when that weight is is really is a really heavy thing. So, right. Um, the uh, speaking of that, uh, you know, the difference between uh, you know the way this role is viewed. I think a lot of folks, you know, since the only time a lot of folks see us is when we're preaching or when we're standing up in front of a crowd, you know, they get that whole idea that, uh, that televangelist kind of idea of, of the preacher. Um, but preaching is kind of just, you know, it's what, I, it's what pay I for pray. Sunday. What's that? Pay for pray. Yeah. Or for, or for speaking. Yeah, yeah, but and I think you know there's value in the sermon and there's value in the pastor the pastor bringing that message. But uh, pastoring the flock and caring for the flock, you know, uh, I don't know if you ever saw last week tonight uh, with John Oliver. Have you ever seen that show? I have. I've seen clips of it mainly on Facebook. Yeah. The good ones well, that people repost. He he kind of did a big expose expose on uh, uh, televangelists this last week, and it was. Uh, it was brutal. It was really Oh, brutal. of course. Yeah, yeah you expect just, that. It was it was just horrible. Um and, and I do think that's insightful. contributed. Yeah. Uh -huh. And and so I think that that's part of the question, you know. So what do you do? Like Right. You know, cuz there's these people who have these million dollar homes who all they seem to do is is be a television personality uh and pray for people and have them come up and touch the screen and 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 pray on the sick and the and the desperate, you know, and um, and and make money off of them. And so I think there's this tainting of what it means because uh, we really don't have parish ministries anymore. Uh, yeah, yeah, we have we have big programmatic siloed churches uh, that that meet people in very specific needs, and they have huge staffs and they and they take in huge offerings and. Um, and so then it kind of gets this, it's convoluted and people really, I think it's a genuine question. People want to know, what do you do, pastor? Yeah. Uh, so getting into the, the idea of salaries, I will just first say that when my grandpas, both my grandfathers were ministers at one point or another, they literally almost starved their families to do the ministry. And so I'm thankful that that's not the case uh, these days. But one of the things I'm really upfront with my people about is that when you give on Sunday, in some ways, you are supporting your pastor. Um, that that in the Old Testament, the Levites were not given an inheritance in the land, and they were supposed to live off of the, the goodwill of the others. 
Um, and so there is still that sense in which I tell, tell my pastor, I'm trusting you to provide for my family. And also the idea that if you want to be a church that has a full-time pastor, then you will provide. If you don't, there are going to be things like that pastoral care we talked about that just won't be able to happen. And I think that's something that people in our society miss that, that there is value in what we do that can't be quantified. And, and the scripture has kind of set up the, the role of pastor. And uh, um, even in the New Testament, you know, when, when the apostles say, hey, we're not going to spend our time waiting on tables. We need to be in the word and in prayer. And so we're going to assign these other people to do that work. Um, there is a sense in which that that idea of those who are called to read scripture, to think deeply, to pray uh, throughout the week about what what it means for us as a congregation. So anyway, I don't make any qualms about telling my people, hey, sure. my livelihood is dependent on you. If you right. choose not to provide, then I'll have to go out and make tents as Paul did. Mm -hmm. But it won't be the same kind of ministry. It'll be different. Right. Well, by the same token, you know, here we are, a church plant. We're trying to figure out, are we ever going to have a permanent permanent building? Are we always going to uh, rent? Are we always going to inhabit somebody else's space? Is it ever going to be our own? Um, are we going to have full-time paid staff? You know, we're asking these questions about what our trajectory is, what our goals are for those kind of things. You know, am I going to be a bivocational pastor? Um, am I going to do this and something else part-time or am I going to do something else full-time and this uh, just in partnership with the congregation, you know, and there's all these kind of questions because we've really set this kind of culture, especially in North American culture of church. Um, you know, I got a reimbursement check one time uh, from the church that I was serving and it had, it had like salary and, and reimbursement all in one check and it was just my weekly check, and, and it was like $666. And I went, oh, my paycheck, <laughs> my paycheck is the devil, you know? That's um, right. Yeah, we're so slaves to it. You, when you put in God you trust, in God we trust on your money, sometimes that money then becomes your God, and we kind of get stuck in this thing. And so I think that that in some regards, the standard, instead of having a pounding for the pastor where we just supply his needs like we did back in the day, a parsonage for the pastor where he, he and his family can live in this house, you know, we used to have this parish mentality where, where we would just meet the needs of the pastor. And then we moved into this individual economy kind of mindset. And so we started giving, you know, a pastor a steady paycheck. And that steady paycheck, in some regards, I think, unfortunately, became the way that we said, hey, listen, we're going to let you participate in the economy in the same way that we do so we can shut you up about some of the prophetic word that you're offering about the economic system that we're a part of. You know, so, uh, it, oh, yeah, <laughs> it's definitely hard to be prophetic when your children's mouths are fed by the, the sure. income. So, yeah, there's there's definitely that aspect. And I like that you bring that up. I think part of it is it's much easier for us to to be impersonal when it's just putting a check in than yeah. than if I have to, you know, bake you some bread or bring you some food, you know. Sure. I realize really quickly where that stuff is going and how deeply it affects you and your family. And so yeah, I I think, you know, there is a trend where we're looking at how much of of 
the church's salary should be for the pastor and all these things. And you guys, like you said, you're in a whole different kind of, uh, you're trying to figure out what kind of entity that will be for us. We're trying to pay off debt so then we can focus on personnel and on ministry kind of people more and more, um, instead of investing in buildings. But I, uh, I, I think there's definitely that thing of, there's a certain, a lot of times people want to expect the same kind of ministry without being willing to, to, to give and to realize that, uh, there just aren't enough hours in a day if your pastor works full time to do the same kinds of things. And that's why the full-time professional ministry exists. Uh, I don't like the word professional ministry. I'm sorry, vocational. That's much better. I'm so sorry. You don't like professional clergy? You don't like when we start having conversations about credentialing? Well, kind of things? I just uh, don't like, it, it sounded very business. So, sure, it uh, does sound very business. And and you have to have credentials. You know, I, I've questioned in the past, you know, does the church, how do we authorize um, all disciples to do the work of ministry, uh, you know, and how is it that there, there, there's this professional clergy that exists and we've credentialed them almost to the point where we've said, you know, you can't, they have to be your conduit, uh, from heaven. And they also have to be your conduit into the community, you know, cause I, I realized that if I didn't have credentials, I wouldn't be allowed to do a lot of the things that I do within my community. You know, if I go to Oklahoma and I perform a wedding there, which I have several times, I have to go to the courthouse and register my credentials in order to perform that ceremony. Um, you know, there's just a lot of things that, that those credentials provide, uh, and, and there's an expectation of it. And so there's also an expectation of education and uh, continued education. You know, so some of the time I spend in a week is reading and learning. Oh, and, Yeah you know, diving into new and better ways of thinking. Even this week, even though I'm not preaching, I'm kind of taking a week off, although there are things I've got to get done so I can leave, if you know how that goes. Right. Uh, I'm sitting in my, I'm sitting on my deck in my like reclining chair and I'm reading a book that I will preach in the fall, you know, part of, part of the ideas from that book. But part of that is just, I love reading. I love learning. So Hey man, we are at 29 minutes. I think Ooh. any last words before uh, we we shut this one down today? It's been a good one. I I really think a lot of people have that question, and uh, and the answer is we don't really know what we're going to do this week. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I know that I'm gonna I'm gonna slate some time to work on a sermon. I'm gonna slate some time to pay some visits to some folks. I'm gonna slate some time for the meetings that I have to do uh, with, with staff and with parishioners and all those kind of things. But really the beauty of, of pastoral ministry is in the interruptions, the phone call uh, where, and, and the availability of us, you know, to speak for the congregation, to speak for this community of faith uh, that, that somehow be present, uh, not just for your own, uh, you know, my own presence, but I get to represent the community of faith to a family that's hurting, to a family that's celebrating, to a family that's in need, you know. So uh, I think I love the interruptions. Yeah, and for me, I I think I've also taken on this John Wesley idea of all the world is my parish. So for part of my day is literally getting up and doing a devotion for anybody who wants to watch it on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And I've seen people from my high school, former coaches, 
seen the president, former president of our university. I mean, just random, random people that all come together. So I think part of my congregation, I hope, enjoys the fact that their pastor is just seeking to minister to whoever. Um, and I think that's part of our calling is is just, you know, yeah, we have a parish, but also uh, we want to impact the world at large. So that's part of my my week is pontificating pastors as well. So, <laughs> hey, man, thanks for spending some moments with me. Uh, yeah. Love you and your family. Hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time. Same to you. Love you, too. Hey, thanks again for listening to Pontificating Pastors. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor or any one of the other platforms. We hope you have a great week.